today, we're going to look into the book of Nehemiah, chapter 1. So this conference, I'm going to be calling out people to, to lay my hands upon them. And they're going to be receiving the impartation as representatives. For example, I might say, all oh, the doctors come to the front. So that's the kind of impartation that, that is going to happen in this conference. <clears throat> This is just the second day. It feels like eternity. I really need to take a break. So February is going to be <laughs> February is going to be my break. So don't don't call me out or don't call me in the middle of the night during February because I'm going to be taking a short break. And then right after that. We, not vacation, but a break. I'm going to have to go to Costa Rica to hold the conference over there. And as you know, I had a lot of difficulty, especially with my stamina and health after the, during the conference in Malaysia. And normally, it would, it would have been best if I could take a break right after, if I could have taken a break right after that conference. But as you know, I didn't. And that's why I think there are some, some repercussions. And as you know, also my wife is next to me. And uh, she keeps sending me text messages saying the difficulties and the spiritual pressure that they're feeling is right. And so I have to minister for them, for them as well and all of that. So uh, next time I'm going with her. Is the ice cream not here yet? We think it's going to take a while for them to buy hundreds of ice cream just from stores. seat in the front. Isn't it more comfortable for you guys to sit on chairs? Are you here because you desire for grace? They are our invited guests. How come they have to sit in such uncomfortable spots? And why is Pastor Kiwin here? He's here even though uh, he wasn't invited. I guess he's here to visit his in-laws. And they're not even your in-laws yet since you're not married yet. Please sit, sit down. Let's begin.
In my perspective, it's better to just get the conference over with, uh, holding two two sessions each day, rather than spreading out it across a week. Faith was being poured very powerfully upon us during the uh, during during that prayer, and I'm sure some of you have experienced what it means to enter into the Sabbath re Sabbath rest of prayer. Oh, not prayer, faith. Was it you? A lot of doubt is coming out within me when I look at you guys. So guys, did you receive wisdom? Can you see color now? Can you see how God is working? When you receive the anointing of wisdom, there's a characteristic to that. And that means you're able to see everything as, as a whole. Let's say, for example, Deaconess Che is going through a, a difficulty. And, but when you have the anointing of wisdom come upon you, you, you not only are able to see the suffering that she is going through at the time, you're able to see uh, the whole picture, why she is going through this suffering, and the connection that she has uh, with her family members. And when you resolve the, the issue behind the reason why she's in pain, you'll be able to minister that person more, more precisely. It's easy, and that person can only be healed when you fix all those knots that have been bound within her spirit. And that's what the spirit of wisdom uh, does for you. It gives you the it gives you integration. predecessor that we're going to talk about. Elijah, Daniel, Abraham, and now Nehemiah. Nehemiah. And I'm picking lottery every, every morning to see who is going to be picked for this conference. And so I'm just doing according to what the Lord gives to us. And in a way, so this conference is more uh, comfortable, oh, not relaxing for me because uh, I don't have to prepare for the sermons so intensely. And I'm very thankful that the kids have been relocated to downstairs because uh, yesterday I had a hard time focusing because of all these distractions. So let's begin the sermon, regardless of the ice cream that is coming. So all the predecessors that we are talking about in this conference are brave, courageous, and wise. And Nehemiah was also a great leader that was able to lead Israel during a time of, of difficulty. And of course, all the, all, all the spiritual ancestors, uh, predecessors written in the Bible are all great leaders. But in BC 558, that was when Israel was destructed and they went into captive, 
escaped captivity. That was 537 BC 537. And then, after, after they were freed, uh, they came back and they started to rebuild the temple, which took around 16 years. And the history of Israel, what we talked about uh, in the book of Habakkuk, but we know that the issue was not in rebuilding the, the temple of the Lord, because in order to protect their city, they needed a fortress. So the background of Nehemiah. <laughs> Uh, is it in the book of Haggai? I'm, I'm not sure, but during around BC 444, Israel was taken into captivity again, and Nehemiah was was uh, was appointed leader by the Lord during, around this period. In the in verse one, it says the month of Kislev in the twentieth year, uh, while I was in the citadel of Susa, I think. Uh, that's that's the time period of, of Nehemiah. That's when Israel did not have this fortress, did not have this wall that was built around the city to protect them. And so they were very vulnerable to attacks of foreign countries. So I'm sure it was a very difficult time for Israel. So how many days did it take for them to finish the wall? They finished it in 52 days. And after 52 days, they were able to put uh, patrol and, and, and set up posts to protect the city. But anyways, they were, they were in need of this fortress. And everything was lacking from materials to resource, resources to workers who were able to build, uh, build the walls. And so this uh, severe, this difficult task was given to Nehemiah. And Nehemiah was able to lead Israel to build, this, build, build the walls around their city uh, in record time that, was, that served a great role of protecting Israel from then on. And as we know, Nehemiah was not able to accomplish this, accomplish this because of his own excellence. But today we'll learn what, what, was, what allowed him to be such a great leader. And the secret to his, his excellence comes from prayer, his powerful prayer and his faith. Faith is something that is very necessary and, and needed for the children of God. Is it here? Anyways. So, and so what can we do with this, this faith that is given to us? We can heal others, we can minister others. There are many ways that we can utilize this faith. But in my perspective as well, where is faith more the most effective? And that is in your prayers. If you have a relationship where, where you request something from God and He gives to you and He responds to you, then that is the only thing that you need to, to uh, enjoy happiness. And that is the Lord's promise. The Creator God, <clears throat> when He chose Israel to, be, to become His people, 
That's the calling that he gave to Israel. He said to Israel, request and it will be given to you. And that's why they had this kind of relationship. Israel was able to call God the Father. And we as well, as his children, we can also call him our Father and and ask things from him through our prayer. And if you have a right relationship with the Lord, then when you pray, the Lord will respond to you immediately. But when you are not ha- when you when you do not maintain this kind of relationship with God, that means something is wrong with your spirituality. And so, the, if you're unable to pray properly, then that means you're you're going to have to face a lot of sufferings and difficulties because of that. What time is it now? Israel team has just entered into the, the, the Red Sea. <clears throat> no, I don't really like this, this, this is not the suspense, but this time. Uh, of waiting for the snacks to arrive. But anyways. So in your faith life, you have to realize, are you, are you walking on the right path? And there's a certain, there are certain standards that you can, you can use to, to see whether or not you're on the right path. And if you look at your prayer life specifically, you can realize if you're doing well or not. So think about it. When was the last time your prayers were, were responded by the Lord? And I hope that is none of you. But uh, I really hope that you still remember when, you, when your prayers were responded by the Lord. And I really hope that that is every day. And the reason why you couldn't receive is because you didn't request it from the Lord. And or, or you, you pray to the Lord according to your own pleasures. And when you pray according to your own standards and your own wishes and desires, then it is very difficult for the Lord to respond to your prayers because that is not, gonna, that is not the right thing to be given to you at that time. When we pray to God, we're supposed to pray according to the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. And we, believe, we pray according to the, the promises He has given to us in the Bible. And when you pray the proper way, your prayers will be responded to God by God immediately. And that's why in the Bible, he promised us that whatever you, whatever you ask for, I will give to you because uh, when you ask for it in my name. And so do not take lightly the, the, the uh, do not take lightly the accomplishments that you can, you can stack up while you, while your prayers are responded by God. And thank the Lord whenever He responds to your prayers. But when He does not respond to your prayers, you need to pray and pray until the Lord comes to to, uh, explain why He didn't respond to your prayers or comforts you or tells you not to pray about that topic. You shouldn't ever let go of a prayer topic when it's not responded by the Lord. 
So the worst thing is you just lift up your prayer to God and you just neglect it, whether or not He responds to it or not. It doesn't matter to you. Then that means you're not, you're not believing in His promise. Because his, his promise says clearly that whatever you, you pray, He will respond. And the reason why I don't forget about my prayer topics is because if it is not responded by God, then I will pray and pray every day until the Lord responds to me. And so I never, I never write down my prayers in a journal to, to, to remember them. And every day I pray for all the members of this church. I pray because that's the, that, that's the spiritual duty that God has given to me. And the reason why I have to continue to pray for you is because you have not entered into uh, uh, sanctification yet. You have not reached sanctification yet. And if you did, then that means I, I don't have to pray for you in that regard anymore. So this title as, as a head pastor is, of course, I'm doing it because it's my calling. But you have to, you have to realize it is a very difficult job. For, for a pastor, the issue of having his church members not, uh, not growing spiritually is, is a huge issue. And the reason why I can continue is because the Lord gives me strength and, and comfort and encouragement. But think about how, how difficult it is to lead a group of people who, don't, who are resistant to your words and they never, never change and grow spiritually. And Paul talks about this uh, long, long suffering. How long have you been in this church? 15 years? Anyways, I'm very thankful for you all. And it is my fault. It's my fault. And it's because I'm still not a perfect leader yet. And uh, my church members, this church, the, church in, the members of our church have not all reached that that. Point. But anyways, all of your prayer patterns and all of your prayer lives need to be transformed through the faith that you're being transferred today. Because God is a living God, and because His promise is always is given to us in the present tense, it is always it, it, it is functional. To, and so you cannot stay put while your prayers are not being responded by God. You need to listen for the reasons behind His actions. Why, God, have you not listened to my prayers? I'm not saying to complain to God and groan to Him, but you need to ask Him to receive uh, persuasion. And your, your spirituality needs to go from, from requesting to receiving to giving thanks for your prayers. Because the more your prayers are, for are answered, the more your spirit is being unraveled before God. And then, from then on, you start to receive, uh, 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 receive tribulations as well. Tribulations of faith. And it, 
after I was saved, what, uh, if I prayed like 20 or 30 topics to, to God in a day, then all of the, all, most of those topics would be responded immediately in that day. And so in the, in the beginning of my uh, walk with God, it was very fun and entertaining. Because when I asked the Lord, Lord, I want to pray in tongue, then immediately He gave me tongue prayer. And as you know, my tongue prayer is not, not my tongue prayer isn't spoken in a set pattern. Sometimes I, I kind of speak German, sometimes I speak English, sometimes I speak languages that I cannot comprehend. And, in, that's, uh, and I knew that I was praying correctly because this was written in Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the tongues of many, of many nations being spoken by the people of God. So the ice cream has arrived. So let's all bless the elders because they're paying for the snacks of today. Lord, would you receive glory from, from their sacrifice to this church? This is a good conference. You're being fed spiritually, but also physically. So let's continue. leader because his strength came from from God and the reason why he had the Lord's strength was because he was a man of prayer so that's why you need to desire to be a man of prayer and receiving having your answers having your prayers answered by God should become automatic that's the that's the kind of pattern that must be set for you so like David when he prayed to God, he knew that everything was possible for him. And David couldn't bear it when his, when, when he, when his prayers weren't, weren't answered by God. And if God did not talk to him or respond to him, then David knew that was the end of his life. The reason why we're able to live without having our prayers answered by God is because we're too used to that. Because we think we, we, can, we can accomplish it for our, by ourselves. But think about it, the, the, all po the, the most powerful being in this universe, which is God, 
when he doesn't respond to you, then what, what can you do? What, what are you able to accomplish for yourselves then? So it doesn't make sense for us to not pray to him and not have our prayers answered by him. And the reason why, even though David fell short before God a couple of times, the, the, his, uh, because he was a man of prayer, the Lord helped him get back to his place immediately. So, first of all, Nehemiah had the right attitude in his prayers. In verse 2, Hanani, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile and also about Jerusalem. So, Nehemiah was, uh, was a, a noble man in, in Persia. So he didn't, he had, uh, his life was comfortable enough for him to not rely on the Lord. But the reason why Nehemiah was such a great leader and, and a man of prayer was because he had, he was, he also had the heart of the father. And that's why he was aching looking at Israel. And even though he was a man of high status, he still had a humble heart because of, of this, uh, uh, because he knew of the Father's heart. And so in your prayers, the condition that you must have is have a humble heart. And the reason why we cannot pray many times is because we have become too rich for ourselves. But we need this humble heart. And the reason why our spirits become rich is because we have, we have uh, lived according to the world. But when you live by the Holy Spirit, uh, and the reason why your prayers have lost any honesty and lost any desire uh, for the Lord is because you have, you have become rich in your own hearts. And, and that means even if the Lord does not answer you with what you have requested, you're fine without it as well. You can live without the Lord in the end. So that's why it is difficult for you to become poor in spirit once again. But the first condition to a proper prayer life is to, for you to, be, to have a, a poor spirit. And when, when you live with the Lord, when you learn how to live with the Holy Spirit, the Holy, sleep, Holy Spirit will, will lead you to live a life of, of having a poor spirit. But if not, if you uh, seek things of the world, then that means you have become rich in your spirit. So look at me. Right now, this ministry isn't very, is not bountiful. But there, but there's a set system, and then everything is 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 going, uh, is working properly. And the church members of this church, uh, they they're not you know a hundred percent fully obedient to me, but they they're still pretty obedient. And so, a person in my position, 
a person in my position and in my environment uh, would not need to pray like, like I do every, every morning, early in the morning to, to go before the Lord to pray because my life is already uh, blessed with abundance. But the reason why I still wake up every, every morning at midnight to pray is because the Lord continues to, to not allow me to fall into this trap of becoming rich in my spirit. And the reason for that is because I, I have been trained to live by the Holy Spirit. And that is the key, the essence of the Beatitudes. Why do, you, why do you have a, a contrite heart? The reason for that is because you live by the Holy Spirit. You understand how the Holy Spirit leads you to live this humble life. So Nehemiah, because he lived with the Lord, he, he, regardless of his, of his riches, re, regardless of his bountiful life, he still followed the, the inspirations of the Lord. And so he couldn't just watch uh, Israel falling apart because of their weaknesses. So when you do not live by the, with the Lord, and when you neglect the Holy Spirit, you start, you start having your ears open to the world. But people who have a humble, humble spirit, a poor spirit, they're able to listen to the voice of God directly. They're able to receive the Lord's words, His heart, His intentions, and His will. But when you become rich in your spirit, you, you start to lose interest in God. And so you don't listen to His voice anymore. So verse 4, when I heard these things, I sat down and wept. So Nehemiah just heard the stories of Israel, what happened. And he sat down and wept immediately. So why did he cry? It's because he had this humble spirit. So the reason why you cannot cry, listen carefully here, when you are unable to cry, and some of you are, you are able to cry easily because of your, your emotionally sensitive. But I, like I always emphasize, if your tears have dried up, then that means you have fallen under religion. It's one of the clear proofs of you falling, under, falling into the spirit of religion, if you have lost your tears. It's a clear sign that you have become a religious man. Look at Deacon Pan. He is uh, the prophet of tears, which is like Nehemiah. But also, he's a, he is also a very emotionally sensitive man also. Let's move on. So he wept. And for days he mourned. And he also fasted before the Lord. Because he had a humble spirit, he couldn't help but rely on the Lord in this situation. And so he fasted. Because he had a humble heart and because he, relied, he was reliant on the Lord, he started to fast in this situation. 
So that, uh, from this, you can tell that Nehemiah had the right attitude in his prayer life. And that means he had, this, he had a proper relationship with the Lord. So you have to look at his, this story and realize, to, to, uh, realize why you cannot pray. And especially the brothers of our church. I always emphasize that you need to be under the Lord's dominion while you're working. And the reason for that is because when you have lived your whole day in the world and receiving things in the world, it will be very difficult for you, almost impossible for you to come to the place of prayer and pray properly before the Lord. But that's why you have to have this humble spirit, have this humble heart, so that wherever you are, you're able to pray before God. And to some of you, this might be a difficult concept because you have not lived this lived with this kind of lifestyle for for like decades already and the reason why daniel was able to pray regardless of the new regulations and laws that were passed against prayer was because he has been living in that pattern living in that that lifestyle for for many many years and so a simple law change of law didn't change didn't deter him from praying before the Lord like he always did. Prayer means that you're living with the Lord. You're living before the Lord. And I'm not talking about the prayer of just reporting what happened to you in that day to God or just thanking Him for, for your daily bread. But you need to have this deep prayer. and You have to be able to pray this deep a prayer with death before the Lord. So let's look at how Nehemiah prayed before the Lord. He didn't pray with his own ways. He prayed with, by the ways of God. First of all, you have, to realize, you have to know who you're praying to. So the second, that's the second thing. You need to know who the person receiving your prayer is and who the person praying is. And of course, that, that means you can also pray to idols. But we don't call that prayer. They may call it prayer in their religions, but that is not prayer. Because the only person that can receive prayer is a person that is capable of, of, uh, of, uh, of resolving all of your issues and receiving you as a whole being. So, second, so the, the very foundation of your prayer is built upon knowing who is receiving your prayer. So, if, if this is not built pr- properly, at times you will be praying to idols. At, pray, at times you will be praying to Baal, to praying to something else other than God. Because you don't understand who the recipient of your prayer is. But you need to re- uh, and so you need to realize that the person receiving your prayer is your heavenly Father, that you have this relationship of life with Him. And Nehemiah knew exactly who was receiving his prayers. So if you're praying to, to uh, an anonymous being somewhere, then that means your prayers are just words spoken into the air. They have no, they have no power and no source of receiving an answer from. 
And this is the case if your prayers seem heavy, if, if they never seem to go directly to heaven or reach God, then that means that something is wrong with your prayer. And in the end, that means God is not receiving your prayers. It means your prayers have fallen short to, to some other God, to some other place. And if you're, and if you if you're in that state, then your prayers will be heavily uh, attacked and obstructed by the enemy. So, the reason why we proclaim the name of God against our enemies is, of course, to uh, nullify their power, but, but we're also proclaiming the name of God uh, against our enemies to remind them of who God is. And also, it, through that, we're able, to, uh, re, re, we're able to remind the enemy who we are as well as his children. So, we can remind the enemy of who God is. And we, we can also remind our, of ourselves who God is to us. So... In your prayers, at times, the, the Lord will lead you to pray using, using the name of Jesus against the enemy. And occasionally, he, does, he, he leads that kind of prayer. He wants, that, he wants us to pray in that way. And, and that is because it, it is a great reminder for the enemy and also for us. And uh, this is the case when you're when you're engaging in a spirit, great spiritual warfare, or or it's it's more common for those who are not still so uh, who are not living a righteous life every day, because it takes more reminding for them to realize who God is. But anyways. You, In verse 5, it says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven. The heaven here is written in the plural, plural tense, plural, plural, plural. It is written in plural. And so, it is, it is defining God as the God of heavens. He's not the God of just one heaven, but he's the God of everything. He's the God of the whole universe, is what this verse is doing. It's saying, So, from this very first sentence, uh, statement, fra uh, phrase of the uh, of the prayer of Nehemiah, we can realize we can realize that Nehemiah knew exactly who God is. that is, uh, Nehemiah was serving I, I can't really find his name but the king of Artaxerxes was a king that was really really against Israel 
And so Nehemiah was under a king that was against Israel. But because he, was, he served a great God, and because he was a man of prayer, he had this heart for Israel because they were the chosen people of God. And even in this dire situation, Nehemiah had faith that God would be able to restore Israel. And that proves that he was a man of faith. But when we're not living by faith, uh, then we start to judge the world according to our own standards. And, and when, we ha- when we lose faith, basically it means that even God cannot solve my situation. Even God cannot uh, uh, save me, save me from, from whatever situation I'm, fa- what I'm facing. And that is because your scale of faith is too small. And the dangerous thing is many of us don't even realize that we have fallen under disbelief, unbelief. We stop believing that God is the creator of this universe, that there is no issue, no problem in this world that cannot be touched, cannot be solved by the Lord. But Nehemiah here is... is, um, is saying that the Lord God, the God of the heavens, is the most powerful being in this universe that can control everything. Secondly, he said, the great and awesome God. So he's saying that God is in control of this universe. And simultaneously, he's a person to, to, to be fearful of. So uh, currently Nehemiah wants wants to go and help Jerusalem, but the, if he if he um, asks his king to to get permission to go to Jerusalem, then that could be, end in a very dangerous situation because this king was really against Israel. But Nehemiah did not fear human. He did not he did not fear the king that he was serving, but he, rather he feared the Lord. And when we serve our God, because we have a fear of God, there's nothing on this earth that we we fear over Him. And the reason reason why some of us are still still have this fear of the things around us or have a fear of people is because we have not met the God of fear yet, the God who should be feared. When you have met with him correctly, then nothing on this earth should arouse fear within you. We have seen this in Daniel as well. Because he knew the true, one true God, he did not fear the lions. And he did not fear uh, the officials as well. So we must all have a fear for God and for God only. Because when we fear him and him only, nothing on this earth will, will make us afraid and make us timid. And many of us still, uh, when we're met with, with a difficult situation, we were still going to despair because we become afraid and we think nothing, nothing is in our control. But 
after I met the Lord 31 years ago, there wasn't a single person, a single situation, or a single demon or enemy that has uh, aroused fear within me. Because I have met the, the, the God who should be feared, and nothing else in this world gives me fear anymore. So, look back at yourselves. Of course, you, if, if there's fear within you, then you have to chase away that fear through spiritual warfare. But the root, the, you need to resolve this issue completely. And how you do that is meet the, the, the one true God. And when you start to fear that God, nothing else will, will, will bring fear to you. And because of when, you're, when you meet the Lord in the right way, you have, this, you have the fear of the Lord. And having the fear of the Lord means that you're living with the Holy Spirit. So, on, so on the other hand, that means that when you have fear within you, it means you have not lived by the Holy Spirit. So raise your hand if you still have fear within you. Nehemiah knew of the God of fear, not the God of fear, but the fearful Lord. Let's go move on. Who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments? So Nehemiah also believed in the love of the Lord, love of the Father. And he knew exactly that God will not neglect all those who love him and keep his commandments. So all those who are obedient to the, the, the laws of the Lord and those who are obedient to His words, the Lord will not neglect. Because God is the God of order, in Proverbs, it says, that uh, uh, prayer lifted up without the law is useless. And the, reason, and, and the reason for that is because our prayers are based from the word that we have received, are based from the promises that we have received from God. And later on, you'll see where Nehemiah talks to the Lord, asking him to, to fulfill his promises. And, it's, and because he speaks on the foundation of the promise of God, God listens to his prayers. So Nehemiah knew exactly what relationship he had with God. And also, uh, 
And uh, if you look at the prayer of Nehemiah, sometimes uh, some of us may mistake it thinking, Nehemiah is saying, Lord, because I have done well before you, would you respond to my prayers? No, that's not the case. Nehemiah is, is praying to God saying, Lord, listen to my prayers because you are the God of compassion. So would you show me your compassion? And he's saying, Lord, you know more than anybody else that I cannot live without your grace. And some of us might be praying to God saying, Lord, I can live fairly well without, without your grace. So he knew exactly who God is. And because he was experiencing the Lord every day. So was there any problems or any issues uh, uh, within the prayer of Nehemiah? None, none. He had no issues with his attitude or his prayer. And so God was receiving his prayer completely. And there's not a single issue that you can find in his prayer. So you have to look look on your own prayers as well. Are you? Do you realize who is listening to your prayers? And if you're not sure, then that means your prayer is just being tossed into the trash can. Because it is as good as praying to an idol. You need to pray, believing in who is, who is receiving your prayer. And you have to believe that that person is the creator God. He's the all-powerful God and awesome God. But if not, then that is the reason for your, your, your failures in prayer. For example, if you look at, look at it in the bigger picture, God is our father. But if you ha- still have scars against your, your biological father, then that's all, that same scar will also hinder you from having a right relationship with your heavenly father. Because you don't believe in a father figure. Because you don't have trust with your biological father. You're unable to trust your heavenly father as well. So in the end, you don't believe that God has become your father. And if that relationship is not set correctly with, between you and the Lord, then, then even if you pray to God, it's not, you will have a difficult time receiving His answer because the way that God responds to our prayers, the reason why He blesses us with anointing, with, with blessings, with all the things that He has given to us is because, first of all, He's our Father. And if you have, if you are unable, if you don't trust the Lord to be your father, then you also do not believe that God is powerful. Because you cannot believe that a father figure would would help you, would support you, would, would give you blessings. So if you have these kind of scars, then it is difficult for you to, to, to have a right relationship with God. And I think uh, most of us have a scar, have scars regarding our parents, especially the father. 
Scars that come from our mothers may also hinder our relationship with the Lord as well because it is difficult for you to, to request things from God. So, if you have failed in your relationship with God, then you cannot have, you cannot uh, pray to the Lord and receive His answers. Secondly, it is important to know who you are. So we have finished with who God is. Now we have to look at who we are, who I am. Verse six: Let your ear be attentive, attentive, and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants. So right now they are in captives. They are in captivity. So Israel has lost and also sold their nobility to the world. So it has been uh, over a, a century of them being taken captive. For 36 years, Korea was under the captivity of Japan. And so my grandparents were very fluent in, J in Japanese because, because the Japanese started to implement their, their language and their uh, education to us. So that's when our, our traditions become, become hazy, a bit hazy because our traditions were, were taken away by the Japanese. And that was only in the span of 36 years. There was a chaos of language and a chaos of, of identity. But for over a hundred years, the Israelites were in captivity. Can you imagine how much chaos they, they how much chaos and, and confusion the Israelites must have of their identity by that point? If you're sure of your identity before the Lord, then no matter where you are, no matter where you may be, no matter what situation you're put in, if you believe in that identity, then God will rule over you the same as He did uh, when, you, you, when you were someplace else. And that is the promise that God has given to us. And that's why it is so important, so crucial for us not to forget our identity. And before the issue of prayer, this is an issue of, of sovereignty and dominion. Because when, when you lose your identity before God, you fall out of His dominion. <clears throat> and in the perspective of, of Nehemiah, even though he was, he, he was living, he was a man of high status, he was a no, noble person, he still remembered who he was before the Lord. And that's why he allowed the dominion of God to work upon him. So think about, our, think about yourselves. Uh, how, many, how easily do we forget our identity? How easily do we fall out of his, his dominion? So, Nehemiah here knew exactly who he was and who the, who the Israelites were before the Lord. 
So he was perfectly qualified in the eyes of God. He knew exactly who God was and he knew exactly who he was. It seems like a, it seems like a simple concept, but it may be difficult. So in, in these two perspectives, Nehemiah's prayer was already successful. So when you have this right relationship with God, the father-son, father-child relationship with God, then what you pray about is not that important because, because your relationship with God is already set correctly. So if you know of the identity of God and you know of your own identity, then these, these special characteristics, characteristics of prayer start to show within your own prayers as well. But if your prayer is weak and if your, the answers that, you, that you're receiving from the Lord is not frequent, then that means your relationship with the Lord has, has, has fallen apart. So now let's look at the first characteristic. Characteristic. Um, it says, your servant is praying before you day and night. That means you're able to pray always. You're able to pray constantly. In chapter 2, verse 4, it says, The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven. So right now, Nehemiah was before the king. But even in that situation, when he was questioned by the king, he didn't immediately answer the king, but he, wait, he prayed before God at first. In that instance, he was able to pray before the God, even though the king himself has asked him a question. And why is that possible? It's because he knew who he was and who God is. And asking the Lord and praying to God has become a habit for him because it was done so repetitively by him before. When we talked about Elijah, the words that he spoke in that story were not inspirations that he received from the Holy Spirit, but proclamations of faith that came out within him. And that is a result of the time that he has, spe- he has spent living in faith. So now the, the king himself questioned uh, Nehemiah, what is it you want? And any other person would just answer the king immediately, but not Nehemiah. And because Nehemiah had been, had been living a life of faith up until that point. And so immediately he would pray before the Lord to receive his will. But many of us, we, we, we act according to our own thoughts. We act according to our experiences. We, and we go before the Holy Spirit. But men of faith, men of, of prayer, we wait until the Lord works. We wait until the Lord leads us. And we fall under, we fall behind Him. In, in Proverbs 3, he says, Trust the Lord your God and do not follow your understanding. Do not follow your, your knowledge. So, 
So not following your understanding means you're not, you're not following your thoughts, your standards, your experiences, your habits, but you, you fully rely on the Lord. So that's how you should pray. That's how you should pray and pray constantly. And when you look at a person and that person is excellent and talented in everything he does, The reason why that person is so excellent is not because of their own skill sets and not because of their, their training or, or anything like that. It's because, they, it's because they are following the will of the Lord rather than following their own understandings. They let the Lord work through them. So this is very important as well. So in that sense, so Nehemiah here also has become a being, has become a character that is fully under the, 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 the control of the Lord. So even in your marriage, when you fight with, with your spouse, you're not supposed to fight with, uh, with uh, you're not supposed to judge one another with your, with your understanding of that person, that character, but you need to kneel before the Lord and ask the Lord what is the issue to resolve that, that problem between you and your partner. And some of you might say, were you able to do that, Pastor? Then ask my wife. On the first night of our wedding, I did not go on our, on, our, on our honeymoon, but rather I went to worship. And not just that, I, I, uh, I, stayed, vigilant. I stayed vigilant in my prayer all through the night. Because I have been trained not to live by my fleshly instincts. So even though it may not seem romantic, that was, that was how the Lord led me. at how Nehemiah, Nehemiah became a man of prayer. So what did Nehemiah do with this relationship he had with God? He repented. And he didn't repent with his, with his own weak, uh, uh, he didn't repent his own sins, but he also repented for the sins of Israel. So naturally, because Nehemiah was a man of prayer, and he was led by the Holy Spirit in his prayer, the Holy Spirit led him to pray for not himself as an individual, but pray for the whole. And that means the scale of your prayer is being broadened. You're able to pray for your church, pray for your, your neighborhood, pray for your country, pray for the world. But, uh, and uh, And that comes from knowing who the, the recipient of your prayer is. If you're praying to an idol, if you're praying to Baal, then your, uh, you, your prayers will never expand outside of yourselves. You're always praying for yourself. So this is a spiritual order. Because you're struggling with your own issues every day, you can only resolve your own issues. 
and at times you're, not, you're, you're unable to even resolve your own issues. But when your prayer starts to expand, you start to just cast off your, your, your issues to the Lord and have Him take, uh, take care of it for you. So Nehemiah here started to pray for Israel, the community of Israel. And he starts to repent. He says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. And the word homorogeo is, is written here. So Nehemiah is acknowledging his sins before the Lord. And many times we don't, want, we don't realize that we are sinners. And the reason for that is because we don't know who God is. And that, since we don't know who God is, we are able to look at ourselves objectively. And homerogo means same spirit. So if you, if you live with the Lord... In, on this basis, thinking, uh, knowing, believing that you are the same spirit as the Lord's spirit, then He will lead you to realize what is, what is still impure within you. The first step of repent, repentance is acknowledging your sins, acknowledging your faults. So that's exactly what Nehemiah did here. And... Beginning of verse six, verse six says, "Let your hear, let your ear be attentive, and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying for you." Exactly, uh, knew exactly that God was listening to his prayers all the time because he had this right, proper relationship with God. But some of us, uh, of course, we're able to pray a, a prayer of faith when we know that when we know that God is going to respond to our prayers. But when we when when we are met with a difficult situation, when all possibility is taken away. If you don't have this proper relationship with the Lord, then your prayer is also going to lose strength and lose, lose faith because you don't, you don't believe that God can take care of that problem for you. But when you are a man of prayer, when you are a man of the Spirit of God, then what's the, the, the situation, your environment, your conditions don't matter to you anymore it, because it doesn't matter to God. And it is the same when it comes to people. If you... If you think that person can never change, then that means you're, you're, you have created a barrier uh, uh, around that person. Think, and you don't trust that God himself can come and change that person. And Nehemiah also says, uh, be attentive and your eyes open. So first he tells God to open his ears to him. Now he tells God to open his eyes towards him as well. And is he being a brat before the Lord? No, God is pleased with his prayer. People will hate it if you continue to nag them, continue to tell them to, to, to listen to their words. But that's not the case with God. God loves it when we, when we go before him, when we, when we want to have a conversation with him. 
but since I'm a person as well, I get sick of dealing with people. I get sick of all the phone calls that come to me uh, by, by the church members. And late, late at night when I'm sleeping, they still text me saying that somebody's, that somebody's in pain. Then I would pray to God, Lord, Lord, what should I do? I'm so tired, but, but uh, what should I do? Should I minister then? And the Lord always tells me to minister then. And the funny thing is that the person will be, will be healed through, the, through my prayers. But anyways, what I'm trying to illustrate is that our God is not like people. We don't, our God does not get sick of our cause. He does not get sick of us nagging Him to come and meet us. Because He stays up 24 hours a day, 365 years a year, days a year. He doesn't sleep and rest. And He's always ready to come and, and meet us and help us. So Nehemiah, so the, the Lord was pleased with the Nehemiah praying, Lord, would you keep your ears open to me and would you open your eyes to my situation? God loves people who would not stop nagging him. And to continue to nag him, Lord, would you do this? Would you do that for me? Would you continue to talk to me? Would you, would you show me your will upon me? Would you come and heal me? Would you move me from this mountain to that mountain? That mountain? You need to continue to nag the Lord in this way. Because that is a, is a unique, special, uh, unique characteristic of the, love of, the, uh, of the love of God. And that's the same kind of... Uh, Closeness and the same kind of nagging that we do in the beginning of, a, of, of, a, of our relationship with our partners. We would ask them questions, be attentive to them, because we're, we're curious about that person. Let's move on. And he says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself, my fam myself and my family's my father's family have committed against you. Uh, and uh, if you don't have this right relationship with the Father, then it becomes difficult for you to acknowledge your sins before the Lord. And it is not easy to to confess your sins because the fact that you're able to uh, confess of your sins means that you realize what your sins are and that means you're able to look at yourself you're able to evaluate yourself but if you live a self-centered life if you live in a self-centered way then it is impossible for you to see your shortcomings your faults and your sins And Nehemiah, he's been living as a captive, and, and many things have already happened throughout his life. So it, it, may, it, may, it would have been possible for him to lose sight of the, of the sins of his family, of the sins of his predecessors, and of the sins of Israel as a whole. But because he was a man of prayer, he knew exactly 
what his sins were and the sins of his people were. And we must all be aware of our sins and of the sins of our families or our predecessors as well because the Lord will lead you to resolve the issue of those sins through your repentance. Let's look at David. When David was influenced by the, the Babylonian standards, he, he sinned against Bathsheba. And you have to know that he was the king of a nation. And he had the right of, of, of gaining any, any woman that he, pleased, that he was pleased with. But as soon as he was accused of his sin, of, of the sin that he has committed, he knew exactly that he, he, he did wrong. And he repented to the Lord. And that means, that, that was how sensitive David was to, to the Lord. That when he was accused of his sins, even though, even though, uh, even though that was something that was very common uh, amongst the kings of his, uh, of his contemporary, he knew exactly that, that, that he did wrong and he was able to repent to God. But anyways, verse 7, we have acted very wickedly towards you. And, and uh, what the Bible defines as wicked is a person that lives for himself. So this wickedness is talking about how, how self-centered Israel has become. And that means, that means they, have, they have started to serve the idols, serve the, the other gods that, that may benefit them. We have not obeyed the commandments, decrees, and laws you gave to your gave your servant Moses. So this is true repentance. He not he not only did he not only did he repent of his own sins, he also repented for the sins of his whole community. So now let's move on to verse eight. Remember the instructions you gave to your servant Moses, saying, "If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations." But if you return to me and obey my commands, then if, even if your exiled people are at the, far, are the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen. So in the perspective of Nehemiah, he wasn't the one that commit, committed uh, the sins. He, even though he did nothing wrong, he took part in the faults of Israel. And so he was able to confess to the Lord saying, I repent for, I'm going to repent for the sins that we committed as a community, as, as Israel. And right now, right now, uh, it's not... So right now, it wasn't like Israel was uh, immediately following the Lord's commands again. But because... Uh, Nehemiah repented for the sins of Israel. He also became the representative of the Israel when he, when he started to obey the Lord's commands. So that's why when I say in this church as a community, if one of you commits a sin, that that sin is committed by the community as a whole. And that's why it is so crucial for us to not pollute ourselves because we pollute the church, we pollute this community. But if one person in this community repents, then, then God will count, all of, count that repentance for all of us as well. 
So Nehemiah knew exactly what what uh, what the relationship what relationship God has given to him because he acknowledged what being a community means. So becoming a church, being a church is so important in this, in this sense. Some of us still do not understand what it means to be a church, but that is a huge weakness. You still think if you do something well for yourself, then you're going to excel forwards. No, that means you're being hardened. You're, you're, hard, you're hardening because your issues do not belong to yourself. We can only become a great power when we're gathered together. Uh, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for my name. So Nehemiah was holding on to the promise that God has given to Israel. So he was able to pray on the basis of the, the Lord's words. And in Second Peter, it says the promise of God is a big promise because it holds, uh, the, because it holds the power of God. So now, let's look into the prayer of faith or a prayer of spirit, prayer of the spirit. Verse ten: They are your servants and your people, whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. So these are all proclamations of faith that Nehemiah was lifting up. So when you pray, when, when you don't receive inspirations, when you don't feel anything, when you're able to sense anything in your prayers, then at the very least, you still need, you still need to pray with the faith that God is listening to your prayers. No matter what the situation may be, that God is listening to your prayers because you are a child of God. Even if you're not... Even if you're not fully there, even though, even though uh, your, your surroundings may, may bring difficulty to you, regardless of that, you have to believe that God is listening to your prayer because we have this father-son relationship with God. And he says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. So in order to in order to pray So the point of Nehemiah's prayer, the, the goal for his prayer is written in verse eleven. So in order to lift up this, this prayer he had to uh, he had to go he prayed all the things beforehand to 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 explain his situation to the Lord. He went through all this process in order to pray this last statement. So when you begin to have a pattern in your, your fellowship with God, then you will see the beauty of, this fel- of your fellowship. So newlywed, you don't have a pattern in your in your lifestyle with one another because you have just met. You have not had years to live with one another. But people, but but uh, married people like me, we've been living for thirty years, for over thirty years, or forty years, and you start to 
when you live with one another, you start to create a pattern to how you deal with that person. But anyways, uh, Lord, let your ear be attentive, attentive to the prayer of this of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your Lord. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of God. I was cupbearer to king. So Nehemiah was praying for Israel as a whole and not praying for himself. So when Nehemiah needed to move, uh, move somebody's words, in order for he, when he wanted something from somebody else, he didn't go to that person directly, but he prayed to God beforehand to receive it from God before anybody else. So from this, you can tell that God, there's nothing that is impossible in the hands of God. We're going to look at look into chapter two. Also, so this kind of prayer life and the state of the spirit of Nehemiah in this prayer. We're going to look at how he prays, because how a man of prayer prays, because that is written in chapter two. First of all, Nehemiah never tried to move people with his own mouth, with his words. He would always pray to God and wait for the Lord to move, and that's because that's how he experienced God. In the month of Nisan, in the 20th year of King Artaxerxes, and when you, when Wine was brought for him. I took the wine and gave it to the king. So uh, five months have already passed since Nehemiah prayed the prayer of chapter 1. And he was waiting patiently for the Lord to respond to his prayers. So he became a cupbearer. And he's already in a place where he can request, some, well, he can talk to the king personally. But for five months, he didn't do anything. And he, because he knew how to wait for the right timing, for five months, he, has, he had been waiting patiently for the Lord to give him the sign to move. This is how a man of prayer acts. After you have lifted up a prayer, you don't, you don't just work according to, uh, you don't work according to your own thoughts, but you wait for the Lord to give you a sign, a symbol for you to move. Sometimes the Lord responds to your prayers immediately. But right now, this is an issue of the restoration of Israel. And so Nehemiah need to wait for, the sign, for a sign for the Lord that God was going to respond to his prayers. And like I said before, this king did not think fondly of the Israelites. And he put, a, he put a stop to the Israelites building their temple. Even though he knew that, that uh, worship and offering for, for the Israelites meant their lives. 
But nonetheless, Nehemiah was patient. He waited for the Lord to move. So after we pray, we need to wait for the right timing. And it's, it may, at times, it's a difficult task, but it's very important as well. We're going to talk about this later, but... When you pray and when you wait patiently for Him to work, in that time, you're, you're, you're working with the Lord. You're, you're, you're setting the right time, setting the right place for the Lord to answer His prayers for you. The reason why sometimes an answer to our prayers take time is because in that time, God is tuning things. God is tuning the things around you for Him to, 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 uh, to um, fulfill His will, fulfill His promise to your situation. So in this time, in this five months that were that was given to Nehemiah by the Lord until that, that answer was prayer, that answer was uh, that prayer was answered. Nehemiah was tuning himself and and, tra- and preparing himself to receive that answer. And he goes on to say, "I took the wine and gave it to the king. I had not been sad in his presence before." And verse 2 says, So the king asked me, Why does your face look sad, so sad when you are not ill? This can, be, this can be nothing but sadness of heart. And as soon as the, the king said this, asked this question to Nehemiah, he knew exactly that this was the right timing that God has given to him. And so he, he just said why he was sad to the king. And what does, what does the king say to that answer? He says, what, what is it you want? And in that moment, Nehemiah didn't just spit his thoughts, but he prayed to God and asked for the right answer. Like I said before, if I don't receive an answer, you shouldn't stop there. You have to ask for the reasons why you, your answers weren't, weren't answered. And that, in that time, Nehemiah was tuning himself and, tu- and waiting patiently for the Lord. He's waiting for that sign, waiting for the right timing that God has set for him. And in that time, the, what it means to tune yourself means you're receiving wis- the Lord's wisdom. And that's why you're constantly, you're able to constantly pray before God because when you, uh, because you have this kind, these kind of experiences, you learn to trust God. So as you become closer with God in your prayers, He will tell you of your plans and you will understand why at times it takes time for a prayer to be answered. And Nehemiah answers the king, If it pleases the king and if your servant has found favor in his sight, let him send, let him send me to the city in Judah where my ancestors are buried so that I can rebuild it. 
for, for five months, Nehemiah has been tuning himself before the Lord, fixing his thoughts, compromising, not compromising, but tuning himself. And, and that's why he's able to speak these words directly to the king. Verse 6, Then the king with the queen sitting beside him asked me, How long will your journey take, and when will you get back? It pleased the king to send me, so I said a time. So, uh, Nehemiah didn't immediately answer the king once again, saying, I don't know how much time it's going to take. It's going to require me to just leave for me to, to set a time period for you. And that would be the end of it. And, but this is how Nehemiah was excellent, because he tuned himself before the Lord. He knew exactly what to answer the king. So, usually the pattern is you, you pray to the Lord and you wait and you wait and you wait until the Lord gives you the right timing, gives you a sign. And from then on, everything is done swiftly. So, he was able to, because he has already received everything from the Lord, he is able to tell exactly, the key, he was able to speak exactly what time he needed. And what did he say also? I also said to them, if it pleases the king, may I have letters to the governors of Trans-Euphrates so that Euphrates, so that they will provide me a safe contact until I arrive in Judah. So he wanted the official papers. He wanted the official papers from the, the king to have everything done for him. And in verse 8, And may I have a letter, letter to Asaf, keeper of the royal park, so he would give me timber to make beams for the gates of the citadel by the temple and for the city wall and for the residence I will occupy. So already he knew of the Lord's plan and what he needed to do as soon as the God gave, gave him the right timing. And he, after he said all this, he requested all this from the king. The king said, okay, I will, I will let it be done to you. And verse 9, so I went to the governors of Trans-Euphrates and gave them, and gave them the king's letters. The king had also sent army officials and cavalry with me. Did I, did I leave out something? So what does it mean that the Lord sent him, uh, the king sent him army officials and cavalry? This means that the king sent him a bonus. He sent him people to, to protect him. So people who are able to pray to God have this kind of power. Prayer is not foolish. Prayer is never foolish. Because you, when you pray with the Lord's wisdom and, and, and the, the understanding of the Creator God, then everything will be down, done for you in this kind of way. Look at General MacArthur. He was a man of prayer. During the operation of Incheon, the reason why that operation was so successful and played a key part in Korea being freed uh, by the communists was because he was a man of prayer and the Lord gave him the right plans at the right timing. That is the appearance, that is the result of the people uh, of a man of prayer. Try praying for, for real. Try praying for real. 
then if there are 100 problems before you, then 99 of them will be taken care of by God, taken care of by God, and that maybe one of them will be, require your own hands. So realize that a prayer is not foolish in that sense. So Nehemiah arrived in, in Judah. In verse 11, I went to Jerusalem, and after staying there three days, I sat out during the night with a few others. I had not told anyone about what, uh, anyone what my God had put in my heart to do for Jerusalem. There were no mounts with me except the one I was riding on. So, so he didn't speak to anybody about his plans, and he just went for himself. Look how elaborate Nehemiah is. We don't know if he was an like like uh, we don't know if his personality led him to be elaborate. But he, in this case, he's elaborate because he was a man of prayer. And uh, when people fall apart, it is because they have allowed holes and allowed, allowed gaps to appear in their spirits. But people of God, people of prayer, they do not allow these holes to happen. That's why they're, they're elaborate. That's why they're precise. Look at Paul. After he was saved, he was completely trans, transformed. And look at Peter. Look at how, how at times they're cold-hearted and elaborate. And that allows them to, to, to carry out the Lord's will precisely. So you have to be elaborate and precise. Look at me. My personality is I'm usually pretty, pretty clumsy with my plans and with my own actions. And I'm also a very impulsive person. But when it comes to the work of the Lord, I'm able to become level-headed and I'm able to become precise. Because that's how the Lord guides, guides me when, when it comes to things of the Spirit. Do you guys agree with what I'm saying when you look at me? Let's move on. With, if God does not help let me move in that way, then I cannot man manage this kind of global ministry. Even when it comes to... Look at one, one overseas conference that we hold. Look at the thing, the preparation required for that conference, the people that you have to gather, the, the, all the papers that you need, all the money that is required in, in, in that one conference. The reason why we can manage it is because the Lord leads us to be level-headed and, and precise. And lastly, man, man of prayer, man, people of prayer are able to overcome obstacles. Uh, in verse 18, I also told them about the gracious hand of, of my God on me and what the king has said to me. They replied, let us start rebuilding. So they began, began this good work. 
So think about uh, the scene over there. Their, their whole city is destroyed, and they don't have, even have walls around them to protect them because they have been taken captive. And think about how much despair was going around throughout the Israelites. But because, because of the leadership of, of Nehemiah, they were able to come together and, and follow, follow the, the leader that has been set by the Lord to come and lead them out of this, out of this disaster. Nehemiah was able to unify the hearts of the Israelites through his leadership. You can, it is in, unimaginable for a single figure to come out and, and fix their whole situation, lead the people out of the despair and build a wall in 50, 51 days. But in verse 19, we can see that there were people that were against this, this task. At times, the, the work of the Lord may, may, may uh, be fulfilled to us in a very swift way. Everything goes swiftly. But at times, because it is the work of God, we may face, uh, we may face difficulty. And these people, it says in 19, they mocked and ridiculed us. What is this you are doing? They asked, are you rebelling against the king? So they were accusing them of treason. But even though treason was not the intentions of Nehemiah, when, when, when you hear these kind of words, why would you, you're doing something, you may, uh, mm, you may, you may be, start to get afraid. But in verse 20, it says, I answered them by saying, The God of heaven will give us success. We, his servants, will start rebuilding. But as for you, you have no share in Jerusalem or any claim or historic right to it. So Nehemiah didn't try to compromise with his enemies, saying, oh, would you, would you, would you uh, just ignore us and we'll give you something? But no. Because he knew exactly that this was the will of the Lord, he did not compromise with his enemies, but he proclaimed boldly against them, saying, You have no right to come and take this land away from us. If Nehemiah was not a faithful person, he could have just said, would, would you just come and help us and, and hold, let's, let's hold hands and make, make an alliance or something like that to, to, to um, persuade those enemies not to come and attack or, or uh, report this to the king. From this, we can realize how, how precise and elaborate the Israelites are. They will not allow a single person of mixed blood or, or, just, uh, or, or just other uh, foreign people to come into the land. And from this, you can tell how pure they are, how pure their bloodline is. They will not allow these foreign forces to come and contaminate their, their heritage. And, because, and it's because they believed in their identity. So you need to pray. You need to pray so that God will also manifest His, His glory and His power through you, like He did with Nehemiah. The reason why they were able to build the wall 
in 51 days is because they believed in the, uh, uh, the promise of God and because they were men of prayer. So, were you able to receive the faith of Nehemiah through the sermon? Then let's pray. Today as well, pray as much as you want and we're, we're going to turn off the lights and let you pray because a great amount of grace has been poured upon us. You must all receive this, this grace through your time of prayer.